Hello, everyone. This is Chris McAdoo. As always, honored to be in your ears with the Big Ideas Welcome podcast today. Kenneth Herring, the managing director of the River and Rail Theater. Kenneth grew up in Oak Ridge, just 25 miles from downtown Knoxville, otherwise known as the Maker City. He holds a BA in communications from the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga and a master's of business administration from Bethel University. He's got a bit of a non-traditional theater background, having spent almost a decade working in information technology and sales. He's a former member of the Hammer Ensemble, which performed at Knoxville's Flying Anvil Theater. He's passionate about content creation and creating inclusive environments for everyone. And another reason I love Kenneth, he loves basketball. (laughs) And he loves spending time with his son, Rain. But Kenneth cares about the arts more than anyone else that I know. And he puts it into work and he puts it into action every single day. And you're going to hear that passion and you're going to hear that intention with which he operates. And I think you're really going to enjoy meeting Kenneth. As always, Big Ideas Welcome is brought to you by the Knoxville Entrepreneur Center, a nonprofit business accelerator located in the heart of downtown Knoxville, Tennessee, the maker city dedicated to changing lives through entrepreneurship. Y'all, be Kenneth Harry. My name is uh, Kenneth Herring, and I am the managing director at River and Rail Theater Company and the Old City Performing Arts Center. Uh, And my big idea is that all artists should get paid their value and their worth. And I say that um, and knowing that words matter. Sometimes those words get um, used interchangeably, and sometimes on social media you'll hear You'll see memes or um, you'll see different posts about artist and value versus worth. And um, I, I want artists to get both. I want them to get the actual value, uh, the monetary value, the market value for what they're bringing to the table, the return on the investment um, that they've made on their time to be able to make that money. And then I also want them to be able to understand how to negotiate their worth. Worth is different for everyone, right? And so to me, having um, a young son, it's worth it to me um, to work in an environment and to make sacrifices where I can take the time that I need to be with him. Now, that doesn't have anything to do with my salary, right? You got to pay me my salary because the market rate says this is what my salary is, right? And so that's, that's, that's a completely different conversation than hey, I'm Kenneth, and I think that I have these unique skills and talents that I'm bringing to the table, and my worth indicates that I don't have to be in the office during all these hours. I don't have to come in and and sit in a desk in a cubicle for 40 hours per week. I can use my ingenuity, my creativity, in order to get my job done the way that I see fit in a time frame that works for my business and works for me, And also allows me to spend time with my son. You know, the value is the, that's the monetary reward. That's, that's non-negotiable. The cost is the cost. Uh, And yesterday's price is not today's price. So you have to understand that. And then the worth is whatever you can negotiate that improves your overall quality of life on top of the actual monetary gain. When you look at what an artist can do is um, number one, 
the very moment that you have a question that you don't want to ask and it makes you because it makes you uncomfortable, that's the question that you have to ask. Like that's the one. The one that you're like, I don't I don't want this is you know you have to ask it. Go ahead and lean into the discomfort into the un- uncomfortability of that question because what you're feeling and what your body is telling you is, man, if I can get the answer to this question, I can know a lot more. And so the ability to really ask the questions that you don't want to, that generally involve finances, that generally involve pay, right? That generally involve how much this thing is going to cost. That combined with making the statement that you really want to make. I hear so many artists, they'll give out a number. How much is this thing going to be? 150 bucks. But, you know, I, I can do it for like 75. Well, you know how much that thing costs now? $75. That's how much it costs. It costs $75. Number one, focus on and lean into the question that you don't want to ask because it makes you uncomfortable. And number two, really, really, really stand firm on the number for your work. And if somebody walks away, they walk away. You know what your art is worth. Now, if you can't get anybody to buy it, then you have to really think about what it is you're doing from a price point standpoint. But if you're selling it, but you're also having people who are balking at it, then you need to go find better customers. You got to find people who want to buy and buy at the rate that you are selling your product or your service. So again, that, that, that first part, what the artist can do is twofold. Number one, lean into the uncomfortable question. And then number two, Stick to your guns when you tell somebody what your price is. Now, when you talk about the person that's next to the artist, what can that person do? So I can't change anyone's heart. So if someone is dishonest with how they are going to approach and work with artists, then there's nothing that we can do with that. But if you're somebody that's listening to this, you're saying, well, I'm close to artists and that just I'm treating all the artists I work with fairly and, and, and in a positive manner and they love working with me and I love working with them and I have their best interests at heart. What I would say to those people is um, lean into and truly understand the one thing that artists want to do. Understand what is the most important thing to them. Help them realize that if they can create a North Star, which is the one thing that is the most important thing to them, that every decision that you make supports that And everything typically works out. If you focus on the most important thing, not four things, not two things, the one single most important thing, there's only one, there's only one, there's not two, there's only one thing that's the most important. And if you have two and you're like, I can't decide between these two things, I can almost guarantee you there's a common thread which with between those two things, focus on that common thread. And when I say producers, I don't mean creators. I mean the person that takes an artist's creation and and produces it, mass produces it, supplies it. Um, maybe they had some investment on the art um, that was created in terms of the resources that were utilized to create the thing, right? And so those people understand that there's so much money at the baseline of creation. It's that's the raw material. Right. And if you can get the raw material and if you can have as much ownership over that as possible, then you are the one that has the opportunity and the ability to magnify its worth. And so the people who 
are one step away from the artist who are oftentimes talking to the artist who might have more time or money and business savvy. Part of their job is to hustle the artists. That's part of their job. Part of their job is to immediately devalue the work that the artist did so that they can take it and then upsell it. And so there's, there's automatically this suppression of conversation around value and it takes advantage of an artist's natural inclination to be fully committed to producing the best art that they can. So what you have is one person on one side who's next to the artist who is is in some way, shape or form, probably financially committed to the art that's being created. And that person is not really having honest conversations with the artist about the money that this art is going to generate. So you have that right there. And then you combine that with an artist's dream to make it big, to only do what they love to do each and every day, to make sure that their art is the best. And so they're pouring their heart and their soul into something with the hopes that one day it's the only thing that they'll be, that they'll have to do, that they won't have to do anything else. And so the rope for that hope is as long as someone's life. The rope for that hope is as long as someone's life. So if you're an artist, you're always, always, always going to hope and wish and work towards working toward having a life where what you do is the art that you love to do. And so, um, so you've got those two forces that are really working against artists, which, which discourage them from having open and honest conversations about the value of what they're creating. Part of it again is an intentional campaign by people who have money who are next to the artists. And then the other part is it, and that plays on an artist's natural inclination to just want to produce the great art that they can and take what they can just to live. Getting back in a theater or, or becoming an actor and being able to manage a theater company, um, the acting part, like you said, was something I wanted to do when I was five or six years old. I've always wanted to be an actor. It has given me a true passion and excitement for helping artists get paid. Like that's what I, that is what I want to do now. My goal in life um, and, and, and what I'm working towards right now is the creation of, of an organization or even multiple organizations that's, that are specifically geared for negoti- to negotiate contracts for artists, licensing, copyright of an, or a local artist song being in the, on the soundtrack for a movie. Think of um, a painter's um, work being shown in a music video. Um, those types of of third party deals that can generate significant revenue for an artist. I want to be able to take the things that I learned in my sales career, in my business career, before getting into art, the arts, and use that to help artists have conversations that they wouldn't normally have had achieve things that they wouldn't normally have achieved, think about things in a different way so that I can go to the negotiation table with them and a business and say, no, this is what this person is going to bring to the table. And this is what you need to pay this person. I hope you are enjoying this new format of season two of Big Ideas Welcome as much as I am, where you get to meet and hear from brilliant creators, scientists, strategists, actors, and leaders like Kenneth Herring. Y'all, Chris McAdoo here, and 
I'm just honored always. I'm always honored to be in your ears. And I also want to let you know to visit BigIdeasWelcome.com where we have a little bit of extra, uh, extra goodness with Kenneth in our, uh, from our YouTube channel that we continue to grow every day. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everyone that is listening. Everyone that has sent a kind note and everyone that has a big idea themselves. If you've got one, if you want to share with me, if you want to share with the world, hit me up. Hello at bigideaswelcome.com. Thanks as always to the Knoxville Entrepreneur Center. Thanks again to Kenneth. Y'all hit up riverandrailtheater.com. Learn more. Hit up bigideaswelcome.com to see bonus content. Let's get to work. Thanks for listening to the Big Ideas Welcome podcast. This show is produced and edited by Anthony Palmer and is part of the Palm Tree Podco Network of Podcasts. Big Ideas Welcome is hosted by Chris McAdoo and brought to you by the Knoxville Entrepreneur Center, a nonprofit business accelerator located in the heart of downtown Knoxville, Tennessee. You can learn more at noxcc.com and submit your own big ideas and entrepreneurial adventures at madefornoxville.com.